but this woman came in and she said, and she was talking about her marriage. And it was a terrible marriage. And they've been fighting for over five years, knocked down, dragging out battles every day. Uh, he'd come home. He was in a bad, he didn't like his job. He'd come home and he'd take it out on her and he would just light into her. And of course she was no wallflower. So she would fight back. And so they had this, these terrible fights. And she says, I can't do this anymore. I just can't go on. And I, your relationship has gotten stuck in a rut, which she understood. And it says, it's a rut, it's a deep rut that you're both struggling in. What I want you to do to get a water pistol and fill it with water and put it in your purse. And the next time he starts after you like that, rather than fight back in the sense of screaming at him and yelling and so forth, calling him names, whatever. Instead of doing that, I want you to reach in your purse, pull out your squirt gun, and give him a squirt of water. And then run out of the room giggling. Do you think you could do that? She said, uh, yeah. And he said, do you think that would be different than you normally respond? Oh, yeah. You think that would be a surprise? Said, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so she came back two weeks later and she was radiant. Their relationship had made a huge turn and he was going to be joining her uh, the next, the following meeting. She got the gun. She, she said, I followed exactly what you said. And I got the gun. I put filled it with water, put it in my purse. And, and he came home, and sure enough, he was in a terrible mood, and he lit into me. But instead of what I usually do, she said, I reached in, pulled out my squirt gun, and gave him a squirt, and ran giggling out of the room. Except she said, one thing I did uh, that you didn't say, but I said, I had to look over my shoulder. I had to see how he was reacting. And he said, he was standing there, his staring straight ahead with water dripping off his nose and saying, what is that all about? Kind of looked <laughs> out of face. <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, but she said that ended the fight for sure, you know. Oh, yeah. Quiet after that. She said the next night it happened again, and she did the same thing, same result. And she said, you know, I'm kind of liking this. This is, a lot, this is a lot better than yelling and screaming. She had her blood pressure up after the third night. She did the same thing, started in the argument. She pulls out her squirt gun. She said, I turned around and I was looking down the barrel of his squirt gun. <laughs> and and she said, I squirted him, and he squirted <laughs> me back. And he said, and then we had a good old-fashioned water pistol fight, running through the house like two teenagers, uh, shooting water at each other, and laughing to beat the storm. And they eventually <laughs> fell on the floor, laughing their heads off. And then they looked at each other and said, you know what? This is the first time in five years we've laughed together. First oh. time in five years. And they began to realize that one of the reasons they got married is they loved to have fun with each other. They hadn't had fun in five years. And uh, and they sat up from that and they got serious and said, let's talk about a relationship. And that was the turning point. And they want and then they he came in and we built a very beautiful relationship between these two. And they, they restored their relationship. But what happened was it was well, it wasn't the squirt gun that was the difference. It was the fact that he did something different. You know, doing something different to break the mesmerizing hold. Of that uh, of that relationship, yeah, um, they're same rut, and they just broke in that intervention. You, if you change the way you behave, your spouse will change in response to it. I agree. And and one of the important things in marriage, we the, oftentimes when they come into marriage, they both are filled with feelings of helplessness. Like I can't make any difference in this marriage. It's I'm ready to give up. But they what they realize what they don't realize is that they don't exercise uh, proactive behavior in areas they do control. And what do they control? They control themselves. They can't control their spouse. They control mm -hmm. themselves. 
So if they make a change, change spawns new change. What about a dysfunctional marriage? What would that teach us? I think that in dysfunctional marriages, and many of them are dysfunctional, is because of history. When I'm working with couples, the first thing I ask them are, what were your expectations when you came into this? Uh, I then go back and look at their histories and I, together so they, they can hear their partner's history and what they learned at home and how to relate. And maybe a lot of the things that uh, the dysfunctions in the couple are inherited from their own families of origin. They came from very dysfunctional families. They tend to repeat the same dysfunction. And it's the only thing they know. It's the only way they cope. And um, and even though they may say to themselves, I'm, I'm never going to have a marriage like my parents. I've heard many of them say that, but end up having a marriage exactly like their parents. Some couples simply exist. They're bored. Yes. Uh, they, they try to douse each other's differences. and They try to become clones of each other. But what the interest value in a relationship is your differences, not your sameness. Yes. It's how you're different because it's how my wife is different than me that challenges me to change. It challenges me to, to become a better person. Uh, and if I didn't have that challenge, I would be just the same. Life would be very dull. So we oftentimes try to shut down the differences when, in fact, they're the source of our greatest uh, interest value in the relationship and keep it alive and, and healthy. And that's how we learn, right? We learn from each other, don't that's we? exactly right. So can you give um, strategies for lasting, fulfilling marriages? And I see this in, in marriages over and over, uh, marriages that are, are in trouble. And that is that either one or both, oftentimes both, uh, have very low self-esteem. And when people have low self-esteem, they don't have humility. Yeah. Because they have such low self-esteem, they're always uh, looking to others to define themselves. And so... They get angry and they're very highly sensitive to certain things and they read maybe even innocuous behavior as criticism of them and so forth. So that again starts an argument. A woman, let's say, is feeling bad about something. She's had a, maybe a breakup with one of her friends or something happened at church or whatever. And she's feeling bad. And the husband feels compelled to give her a prescription how to make it better. And that's not what she's looking for. She's looking for someone to listen to her. And to give her comfort and to be of solace to her. That's what mm -hmm. she wants. Uh, one of the most common complaints of women in, in marriage is that they feel excruciatingly lonely. We always think, well, if you didn't get married, well, then you're going to be lonely. But well, I find loneliness is most common in marriages that are bad. They are so alone. That they feel like I'm, I may have a husband and, and, and children, but I, I feel completely alone. No one understands what I'm going through. Not, neither my my and my husband doesn't. Uh, my children don't seem to, and obviously, uh, I have a hard time communicating it to friends. And so they feel extraordinarily alone. And and sometimes their relationship uh, is a power struggle with each other. Sometimes we have to work on those kinds of things because we are before God essentially lovable. And you say, well, how do you mean? And that's our person, not our behavior. By the way. Uh, that's uh, that's lovable. Sometimes our behavior is quite unlovable, but our person is lovable. I mean, so how do we know that? Well, Christ died for us. He loved us so much that he died for us. That's a powerful statement of our love. Not only that, but uh, but we were created in the image of God. It says in First John that not not only is God loving, He is love. He's the embodiment of love. The, another, something else that I think is important here is that we need to be solution-focused rather than problem-centered. Most couples come in, all they can do is talk about problems. 
but they can't, they, they're not in a solution folks. That, that intervention I gave earlier uh, with the squirt gun was an intervention with solution focus. We could create a solution to what they were stuck in. And the idea is to come to each other if there are problems, being transparent about your, uh, your uh, uh, desire for change, uh, framing it in very positive terms rather than negative. You don't do this, that doesn't. When you start making accusations in the beginning, it, it, uh, it shuts off effective communication. But you say, you know, I'd love to, to see what we can do to make this different. And then you sit down together and uh, begin to move from it and use your creativity to come up with solutions to make it better, rather than always just rehashing the problem over and over and over again and ending nowhere. And the other thing about that is, uh, as you're doing that, is uh, to assume the best in each other, rather than assuming the worst. It's assuming innocent until proven guilty. And so we want to assume the best, always assume the best. And, and then keeping your marriage fresh by... Uh, as I said, doing something different, something surprising, something to inject new life into the relationship. These are some of the things that are important. And, uh, and we talk about the importance of being transparent with each other. Sometimes we just sit on things until they reach a boiling point and then they are expressed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's then probably you're not in a position to really discuss it uh, uh, with any moderation. You just become bursting out with it and the other person may be caught unaware and, they, and, and that's how arguments begin. And where, where else can they find out more about you and get the book? It'll be in Barnes & Noble, Walmart, uh, usual outlets, as well as online at christianbook.com, as well as amazon.com website, which is www.counselingforthefuture.com. Wonderful. And what would you like to leave my audience with today? Especially as Christians, we want to present to the world what the, what the picture of love that Christ shared in our lives. We want to be the forgiver of each other as God is the forgiver of us. We want to, to express in our marriages the kind of love, the kind of giving, the kind of humility that Jesus demonstrated while here on earth. He said, who's, most, who's the, the most important person, the master of the house or the one who uh, serves? And they all agreed if the master's there. He said, ah, but I associate i identify with the servant and he was telling them that they they had lost their sense of humility and when other people see that humility being exercised in our relationship our marriage our marriage becomes an advertisement of what the love of christ really looks like because that's how people outside of of being christians of the, the secular world that's how they get the picture of what a Christian looks like. If they see the marriages in tatters, they're arguing all the time, that's not a very good advertisement. So to think of your marriage as an advertisement of Christ's love in your life, and uh, if you think that way, then you want to present the best picture you can. And that means making the best, best relationship you can. Thanks for watching The Call, and don't forget to like and subscribe. So join me next time for another episode of The Call with Nancy Sebado. You'll be blessed. Are you listening to The Call of God? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to The Call? What's up?